Welcome back to the Maluli Asset Podcast. This is your host, Casey Maluli, and I'm joined by Tom this week for episode 376. It said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. We're big believers here that one of the best ways to think about what's going to happen in the future is to study what's already happened and to study the history, specifically around markets and investing. So in this week's episode, me and Tom take a look back all the way to 1980 and we talk about some of the biggest names in the investing landscape then and who merged, who acquired who, and we get a lot of the context surrounding that time period and we bring it back and compare it to what's going on in today's landscape. Without giving too much away, without further ado, we're just going to get right into episode 376 of the Maluli Asset Podcast. So we're going to take a walk down memory lane for you in this week's episode. We're going to take things back all the way to 1980. We're looking at a chart or a diagram of the top 10 companies in the S&P 500 dating back to 1980. So this chart breaks it down in five-year increments, so 80, 85, 90, 95, all the way up to this year or last year in 2020. What's the one thing that has been in common from, or been consistent from 1980 through now? Hmm. That things have changed. Yes, but the one thing that has remained the same in all of this is the Mets are still terrible. <laughs> we got a championship in there. Yeah, we, we got one. We snuck a couple of World Series appearances in there. We got one in forty years. That's not too bad of yeah. a too bad of a record. I guess the message, though, Casey, as you said, is that the only thing really consistent is change. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why we want to talk about this today is because uh, every now and then we'll run into someone or we'll meet someone who has their uh, the lion's share of their investments in one stock, like IBM or Exxon, or you know, Coca-Cola, by themselves, not bad companies, and they've been, you know, for a big stretch of time, superior investments. They're yeah. on this list, yeah. and they're on this list multiple times, but they're not on the list now. Right. And so you kind of have to roll with the times mm-hmm. in the sense that the leadership of 40 years ago may not be the leadership today. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little more about this. I also just want to mention that we're going to be talking about specific companies on this podcast episode, and these are by no means recommendations to buy or sell any of the companies that we're talking about. We usually try and steer clear of talking about specific companies on the podcast, but this one we're going to be talking about a lot we're going to be talking about a lot and and that's okay but we just wanted to clear that up and and make sure that this is by no means investment advice and this is just to illustrate our point that things change over time so casey in 1980 i can tell you most of the oil was still being discovered it wasn't all in my hair (laughs) even though that's Part of what I look like in 1979, 1980. I think that was, again, that was just rolling with the times, though. That's right. So uh, we were coming out of a period where we had several years of high inflation. We had OPEC. Suddenly, people had to learn what what is an OPEC, mm-hmm. that it's an oil cartel. So we had recessions. We had 
increased prices of gasoline, oil, inflation. Inflation was OPEC, crazy in the 70s. It really was. Uh, and so when you look at the top 10 names in the S&P 500 by market cap, by size, what do you find? Seven out of 10 of the top 10 companies in the S&P 500 in 1980 were oil and gas companies. Yeah. Which made, which the top 10 names that we're talking about, so seven of those 10 names were oil and gas. Those top 10 names made up 26% of the 500 other companies. Right. And today, oil stocks in general represent less than 5%. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's around 3 or 4%. Yeah. It's amazing how this sector, which was so dominant 40 years ago, is now just a fraction of what it used to be. But there is so much history in these names. I'm just going to read the, the, the top 10 names from 1980. And I want to spend time on these oil stocks. Okay. But from the top down, the, the largest company in the S&P 500 in 1980 was IBM, followed by AT&T, and then Exxon, and then Standard Oil of Indiana. Then when I got into the business, I used to pronounce this company as Schlumberger. <laughs> But now it's now I know better. It's Schlumberger. Schlumberger. And then Shell Oil, Mobile. And we said Exxon before, but we didn't say Mobile. So right. it's two different companies. Yeah, they weren't one yet. Then we had uh, Standard Oil, which uh, the long name, the proper name was Standard Oil of California. Then we had something called Arco, which was Atlantic Richfield. Uh, they came to be, uh, people got to know their name because they discovered one of the biggest sources of oil in Prudhoe Bay, Alaska. Okay. And they built the Alaskan pipeline. Uh, and then the 10th name on the list in 1980 was General Electric. I've heard so of them before. I've heard of them too. So these oil stocks, in 1980, you had, uh, these were top 10 names in the S&P 500. Five of them were oil companies. Two of them were oil service or drilling companies. So you had the five oil companies were Exxon, Standard Oil of Indiana. People are scratching their head like, what, what in the world is that? Yeah. Uh, Shell Oil, Mobile, Standard Oil of California. Okay. And then you had Atlantic Richfield and Schlumberger. Schlumberger. So let's take these one by one. Standard Oil of Indiana merged with a company called American Oil, and they changed the name of their company to Amico. And then Standard Oil of Indiana, now called Amoco, uh, about 20 years ago, merged with British Petroleum, BP, mm -hmm. and now it's all called BP. Incidentally, BP, British Petroleum, got into the United States by merging with Standard Oil of Ohio. Uh, they used to be called Sohio. So I just want to hit the pause button here on all these different Standard Oils, because were these... All the, these were all the same company at one point. At one point, they were all companies that were controlled by John D. Rockefeller. But I, they, I'm in the middle of reading Titan, which is Ron Chernow's book on Rockefeller. Yeah. And it is amazing. Uh, this guy controlled 85% of the oil industry. Right. So this was by breaking it up into the different states. That was a way because they 
this was the whole trust buster thing. Correct. So this was part of the Sherman Antitrust Act in 1911. Standard Oil had to break up all of these trusts and they all became separate companies. So uh, Standard Oil, one company under John D. Rockefeller became 33 different companies. And kind of like what we're seeing with AT&T and the Baby Bells, they're all coming back together all these years later. Yeah, I was going to say, AT&T wasn't AT&T in 1980. Uh, they were, or very, they, they were looked very, very different. different. They looked yeah. very, very different. So, so Standard Oil of Indiana became Amoco, and uh, they merged with uh, American Oil. That's how they got their name change. And then they merged with British Petroleum about twenty years ago. British Petroleum got into the states by buying or merging with Standard Oil of Ohio. So the next name on the list was Shell. Shell Oil Company was acquired by Royal Dutch Petroleum, and they became, well, they're now called Royal Dutch Shell. Mobile, I think everybody now knows Mobile was acquired by Exxon, but Mobile used to be Standard Oil of New York. In fact, it used to be called Standard Oil Company, SOC, of New York, Soconi. S-O-C, not the sneaker company. I was going to say. Yeah, but S-O-C-O-N-Y, Soconi. Yeah. Uh, so that became Mobile, uh, and then Mobile eventually was acquired by Exxon, but that you know that all happened you know throughout the 30s. They didn't merge until you know sometime around 2000, about 20 years ago. Yeah. This is where things really get crazy. Standard Oil of California... For many, many years, they were just, people just knew them as Standard Oil. Uh, But, you know, there was Standard Oil of Indiana, Ohio, New York, Standard Oil of New Jersey, which Mm -hmm. became Exxon. Um, But Standard Oil of California, a lot of people shortened the name to either Cal-So, S-O for Standard Oil. So they would either call it Cal-So, or sometimes they would call it SoCal. So, I'm saying so a lot. Yeah. But SoCal was granted the rights to search back in 1933. Standard Oil of California was granted rights to search for oil in a little company called in a little country called Saudi Arabia. Oh god. Yeah, in 1933. And they formed a joint venture with the Saudis and they called it Aramco, A R for Arabian American yep. Company, so Aramco, which the Saudis bought they repurchased the ownership legally. It was a fair deal with Standard Oil of California through the 70s. So by 1980, that investment was now called Saudi Aramco. And Saudi Aramco by itself is one of the largest companies, bar none, like in the world. So this started as an investment with Standard Oil of California. Okay, so we're not done. Standard Oil or Calso merged with a company called Gulf Oil in 1984. <laughs> now, Gulf Oil was. How is this in, all connected? This is crazy. We're getting here. So, Gulf Oil was involved because uh, they were trying to buy Getty Oil in 1984. Mm-hmm. And they had a deal all sewn up. And then Texaco got involved at the last minute and tried to buy Getty. And uh, a guy named T. Boone Pickens got involved and. As when the dust settled, yeah. Standard Oil of California uh, wound up acquiring 
Gulf in 1984. And after they did that deal, they changed their name from Standard Oil of California to Chevron. <laughs> and then Chevron bought Texaco. Yeah which they were just involved with yeah. uh, 20 years ago in 2000. And then they bought Union Oil of California, also called Unical, yeah. in 2005. So in the span of about two minutes, I just mentioned 14 different oil companies, and they're basically all Exxon. I was going to say, it's crazy how all of... There's, what, three or four like big oil companies now, it seems like. Yeah. Everything is just wrapped up into these companies. And again, I think that that speaks to that time period yeah. in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, even even today where we're seeing you know, just a lot of companies merging together in the, in the same spaces. The one last comment I'll make about this whole period of the late 70s and, and the 80s. You know these. Companies? I know we've we've got to wrestle the mic away from him. He, know, he'll just I'm keep sorry. going. <laughs> but I, I, you know how these companies now merge and they come up with these names that don't mean anything or they don't have any. Like where did that come from? Yeah. So I'm thinking of things like Voya and uh, Lucent mm -hmm. and all these crazy names. Like where did this come from? So where did Exxon come from? That was a boardroom decision. So the previous name of the company standard oil of new jersey uh they used to call their product at the gas stations used to be called so e s s o but if you just sound it out so standard oil that was their stock symbol okay so then they changed it to xon that was their stock symbol and now everyone started calling it exxon yeah and that's wow. how they got this new sexy name that no one ever heard of what's an exxon yeah Nobody knows what what in the world sounds that is. futuristic. It does, it does. But yeah, so um, here we are today with all of these companies coming back together a hundred years after Rockefeller had to split them up. And now they only make up three percent of the S and P five hundred. It really is dramatic to see how that's happened. No matter what the price of oil is, these companies' market cap don't seem to get any bigger or smaller. Yeah. So. But now we see. You know, you hear people say that data is the new oil or information is the new oil. And fast forward to today in 2020, and the names we see kind of represent that. We see Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, you know. The next one on the list is Berkshire Hathaway. Right. Which is a mutual fund. We could do a whole nother podcast just oh, about that. We can do four. As we're staring at a picture of Warren Buffett in our conference room here. That's right. But... Then you got Johnny Johnson, Procter & Gamble, Visa. Visa. Everywhere you want to be. Including the top 10 of the S&P 500, followed by NVIDIA. Yeah. That so, was, a, that was a, a surprise for me to was, see on there. Me too. Um, so looking at this list of the top 10 names in the S&P 500 as of last year, I noticed there, are, there is not a single bank. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah. And there are no oil companies. Yeah. Exxon's not on here. Yeah. They were for a long time. They hung in there. There's no GE. Right. You know, there's no Coca-Cola. Yeah. You know. I mean, you look at Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft represent, what is that, probably more than 75% of the top 10. So NVIDIA, Visa, Procter Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, and Berkshire Hathaway, while they're in the top 10, those other tech names just absolutely dwarf them in yeah. terms of size and it's really it, it's almost double counting because berkshire hathaway is an investor in 
every one of these companies. Right. So it's it's amazing. Yeah. I know we were talking before we turned the mics on about how Amazon is kind of an interesting um, parallel to, we could say, Standard Oil or some of these oil companies of, of the 80s where they have, you know, you not just Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Google as well, they're facing some backlash in the regulatory space in terms of Being is this maybe too big maybe too big maybe monopolizing you know there's whatever certain areas that they're in but in terms of amazon you look under the hood and they're classified as an internet and media service company but i think most people would would think of amazon as a retailer yeah but you look under the hood and you, and you look at something like amazon web services and that is a gigantic platform that a lot of other huge companies build their companies on. Netflix. Yeah. They, just they, massive. They run their files on Amazon Web Service. What's the other one? Um, Pandora. Pandora. Yeah. So they run their file services on Amazon Web Services. Now, they pay for the use of that that file space, yeah. but that has grown to be a gigantic part of uh, Amazon's business. Yeah, and you know it started out as uh, you know a little website selling books, right? But they've become much much bigger. And so some people would argue that, gee, you know, Amazon, the traditional, the old part of Amazon that that people most people know it by, uh, would really count as a retailer. Yeah. And honestly, if you're gonna if you're gonna get, you know, if you're gonna split these sectors up, you could have like traditional retailers, people who actually have stores, like you know, Barnes and Noble, yeah, uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, Macy's, and then you've got like internet retailers, and that's almost a hundred percent Amazon. Right. I think it's tricky though now because everyone has kind of both. Yeah. But you even look at, at a company like Apple where they have their app store, which kind of faced some scrutiny in the last couple of weeks where they're pretty much monopolized. Well, they created the app store because of the iPhone and, and uh, iPads and all, all the technology that they've made. But now these creators want to have other options besides listing their products in the app store. Yeah, you look inside these tech companies, and I wonder if in the next couple of years, these things are going to get broken out, and then we'll see something like the oil companies of the 80s, where all of these companies get broken out, and then maybe reformed in the future into something completely different. So I know we don't want to get too far into making predictions, but one thing that I do feel confident about predicting is that in another 40 years, none of the companies that are going to be on that list have even be, been created yet. Sure. And if we were to go back to, this list starts with 1980. If we were to go back to 1940, it would be a completely different list before that. Right. So a lot of these oil stocks were probably not there. Um, but interesting to see some companies pop up on the list in between. Yeah. Between 1980 and 2020, uh, some 
companies popped up on the list and then they dropped off. We didn't see them anymore. AIG, 2000, 2005. Okay, so let's talk about that. AIG was one of the 10 largest companies Too in the S&P fail. 500 and it was in the Dow Jones. <laughs> yeah. And this stock essentially went to zero before they did like a 3 million to one reverse split mm. uh, to get it back on its feet. But yeah, this thing was left for dead on the side of the road in 2008. <laughs> Look at... Um, you know, in 1990, uh, one of the names in the middle of the list, around number five, was Bristol Myers Squibb. Now, Bristol Myers, which was a drug company, and Squibb, which I'm I'm probably going to get some comments about this, but Bristol uh, Squibb was a toothbrush company. <laughs> I mean, they made consumer products yeah. in the healthcare space. Yeah. But I mean, I a lot of people my age had Squibb <laughs> toothbrushes because four out of five dentists recommend them. <laughs> but um, they didn't make that list until 1990 when Bristol Myers acquired Squibb. Mm-hmm. So when you put the two companies together, that's how they got on the list. Yeah. So pretty interesting. I think that's also the first time that we saw Walmart on the list. Yeah. And Coca-Cola. That's right. So now Microsoft did their uh, ni- their uh, initial public offering in 1986. And less than 10 years later, they were already one of the 10 largest companies. Yeah. Interesting to, to note that and, and compare it to Apple as well. Because sure. When did Apple IPO? Uh, I believe it was 1984. Okay, and so even before Microsoft. In, uh, when Apple was going through their IPO, the state of Massachusetts, their securities division, banned purchases of Apple because it was too speculative. Interesting. They couldn't recommend it in Massachusetts wow. because it was, it was too speculative. Yeah, but, but Apple didn't crack the top 10 until 2010. So it took them 30 years but it only took Microsoft less than a decade. Yeah. You know, Microsoft had had products that were going straight into the uh, IBM personal computers, mm-hmm. and they, they just skyrocketed. And you look at Apple, such great technology and beautiful products, but, you know, they messed around through the 80s and 90s with all these crazy projects. Yeah. That, you know, they, they came out with the, the Lisa Mm-hmm. which is now called MacBook Pro. Uh, they came out with uh, the Newton, they, which was essentially Palm Pilot. It's now looks like an iPad. Yeah. Um, they came out with all these crazy things. They just couldn't get any kind of traction. And the first iPhone came out in 2007. Yeah. It's not that long ago. For me, that was like yesterday. I know. I, I did a video, I think it was two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now, where I was talking about the iPhone 3. And how it debuted in 2008, and now we have the iPhone 13. And I mean, the three was basically just a brick, but at the time, it was the hottest thing. Yeah. But it's just again, the whole theme of this episode is just things change. It's it seems that things are changing faster than they did in the past, but I guess that's not necessarily true either. So, really interesting chart to look at. Um, we'll definitely link to it in the show notes. And I, I, if you're at all interested in market history, this is a great place to just kind of go and look at the different logos and, and the visuals that are on this on this chart, on this website. And I think we could probably talk about this for another oh. 
we could probably spend all day in here. It's it was honestly I'm I, I'm going to start repeating myself, but it was eye popping to go to that 1980 list and see uh, Standard Oil, and it was Standard Oil of California, yeah. and then there was Standard Oil of Indiana, and then there was Exxon, which used to be Standard Oil of New Jersey, yeah. and you know then Mobil, then Shell, then Mobil, um, you know all these companies. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is. I knew you were reading the Rockefeller book, and I saw this, and I saw what it looked like in 80, and I was just, it was too good to pass up. Yeah. So, but this is, you know, it's important to remember that if anyone tells you that something is guaranteed to happen in the next decade plus, run the other way. Just don't, don't believe that. No one knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what companies are going to stick around, what the investing environment or corporate environments are going to be like in that long of a time horizon so take everything with a grain of salt and i'm sure we'll be looking back and laughing at this podcast in a couple years time that's going to wrap things up for this week's history lesson we hope you enjoyed listening and and we want to thank you for listening as always and we'll see you next week on episode 377 Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.